Welcome to Premier Health Now On Air. Today we're talking all about men, men's health to be specific. And we have timely tips straight from the source. Guys for taking good care of yourself or ladies for the men you care about. We're glad you're along. I'm your moderator, Leslie Lane. Joining me first today is Dr. Aaron Block, a primary care physician with Franklin Family Practice. Thanks for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure, Leslie. A little later, we will talk with urologist Dr. Douglas Gaker of Premier Urology Center. Dr. Block, some years ago, a study by the Center for Disease Control found that in general, women are more likely than men to visit a doctor by a third. Is that consistent with your experience? I would say it is. I don't know if it is a pride issue or a concern about the things I may do that patients don't want me to do or talk about, but I do see more women typically than men in the office. When you say what they don't want to talk about, what are you thinking? I feel like some men get very uncomfortable talking about private issues. Some men have issues talking about their feelings. Uh, Some men don't want to talk about some of the cancer screenings that seem a little intimidating, such as the prostate screening or the colon screening. Oftentimes, I remind patients, though, I am your hired consultant. They're in charge. I make recommendations for what they need to do or what would be best for them. But ultimately, they are the decision makers in what goes on. Well, as we age, not seeing a doctor is kind of taking a gamble, seems to me. And if we look at our senior population, it looks like men are losing that bet. What's the biggest miss for men who don't see their doctor regularly? Well, a couple of the biggest killers in this country are cardiovascular disease, which cardiovascular is referring to both the heart and the blood vessels and then everything attached, which is most of the body lung disease, which can relate to asthma or COPD, and colon cancer, which is also one of the top killers in our country. By coming to the doctor throughout your life and starting earlier, we can talk about screening and the good behaviors that encourage better health outcomes. Some of these things that we deal with later on in life, if we had made different choices for how we take care of ourselves, what things we do or don't do, and actually try to check earlier on, oftentimes we can avoid bad things happening down the road. Are the risks different depending on a man's ethnicity? Say, for example, African-American men versus Caucasian men versus Hispanic men. Yeah, there are some differences in terms of who develops some of these disease processes a little bit more often, such as African-American men versus Caucasian men tend to have a little bit higher rates of diabetes development and kidney disease. Um, But regardless, I try to treat all of my patients with the thought that everybody is at risk for these things, whether there are pros or cons. And a lot of them are altered by the environment, the nurture aspect for what focuses, what changes impact your health down the road. When you say nurture, what are you thinking about specifically? Well, kind of the good behaviors that you grow up with. So when mom told you to eat your vegetables on your plate, the doctor's going to tell you the same thing too. The fruits and vegetables are full of the good micronutrients that we need to thrive and actually thwart a lot of the bad diseases and bad outcomes. That's why part of my yearly physical, I'm trying to just make sure my patients are aiming for their five servings of fruits and vegetables a day, which is what's recommended. Oftentimes, The caloric intake, the calories are lesser in the fruits and vegetables. They help you maintain better weight. And all of the nutrients also help fight against some of the development of 
bad things like cancer. In that yearly physical, besides food, what kinds of things are you talking about in general? In my physical, I try to cover a lot of things that patients may not think about as so important to their health or what you would come to the doctor for. So, of course, I talk about diet, which is very crucial because what goes in controls a lot about how the rest of the body functions. I like to talk a lot about weight management and exercise. You know, exercise is super important when you're dealing with cardiovascular disease, which is one of the main killers in this country. I also like to talk about sleep health, making sure people aren't struggling to get to sleep or that they're having good quality sleep. That's the time when we actually restore the bodies. That's the time when the brain processes everything it's gone through in the day and puts things into good memory. People with poor sleep end up with energy and mood issues, can also lead to other problems, including lung and blood pressure issues. And for me personally, uh, I like to talk about sexual health. Sexual health is incredibly important for both men and women, but there seems to be a taboo in our culture, like it's something that should be shied away from or is a negative thing. Unfortunately, we have been doing this reproduction thing for millions of years at this point, but only in the last maybe 1,000 or 2,000 years it's brought on a negative connotation. The things haven't changed, and if you don't talk about the concerns for sexual health, you know, a lot of things will be missed. So certainly about protecting yourself and reducing your risk for exposure to bad things. And also the fact that if a relationship is important between people, a physical relationship, that is important too. So if you're having problems with function or drive, that's important to me about addressing people. I find that those are often the questions that my patients find most striking because I don't think a lot of doctors go out of their way to ask those questions either. Men are notoriously busy guys. How long would an annual physical like that take if they're concerned, oh my goodness, I don't have a whole afternoon to spend? My physicals are booked for 30 minutes. I can move through a physical definitely under that time. Usually I don't like less than 15 minutes because that's my time to counsel and make sure that they know what their current screening guidelines should be, what my recommendations are to stay healthy. And I also use that time to look at previous health problems, making sure that they're under wraps and whether or not they need to come back and follow with me. And that lastly, all of their immunizations are up to date too, because those are also very important about prevention, preventing bad things from happening down the road. You've mentioned a number of the big deal issues that men face. Let's dig into them a little bit. We know that heart disease is the leading killer of men and women in the U.S., but what do you want men to understand about how this disease affects them or progresses with them? Heart disease comes from a couple of factors. One of the things that is most contributory to this is blood pressure. And why do we care about blood pressure? And I try to take a lot of time with my patients because if you don't understand why we care about these numbers, they're just numbers. There's no reason to take care of them. High blood pressure has been known as the silent killer because oftentimes a lot of people don't even realize they have it going on. I explain it as, think of a, a general plumbing system, because that's what the heart and the blood vessels are. You've got an engine or a motor that's actually squeezing all the fluid through, and it circulates. There is a correct pressure and a pressure range that it should exist in. But if that pressure elevates and continuously stresses those pipes over and over and over again, eventually they will damage. And when you have damage there, that's when the cholesterol plaques start to come in, 
some of the hardening of the blood vessels. And then the end result is that the organs at the other side receiving those blood vessels, all that extra pressure will actually start to damage them, including the heart. So by making sure that we keep our blood pressure at normal levels, we usually reduce the risk significantly and are able to prevent a lot of the problems with heart disease and heart failure that we see down the road. Can you say what the range is for blood pressure numbers for men, or is it age-dependent? Well, with the updated guidelines that we've had in the previous years, we get to be a little bit more lenient as we get older. Typically, I want a blood pressure, the top number under 135, and the bottom number under 85, with a really good goal of 130 over 80. Once we get a little bit older, usually around the age of 65 to 70 range, we actually have started raising our thresholds, usually keeping under 150 over 90. And the reason for that is we used to be so aggressive in treating the blood pressure because we were worried about controlling the heart disease that people were actually becoming too low in their blood pressure. And when your blood pressure gets too low, sometimes people, they fall over. And so we try to avoid that because certainly we don't want any of our patients falling over and having the side effects of that. And I believe blood pressure also has an impact on stroke risk. And data shows strokes are more common in men, although the odds even out as people get older. So what can men do today to reduce their risk of stroke? So to reduce stroke, again, is starting from the very beginning, if you can, making sure that you have a diet that is relatively low in sodium because sodium holds on to excess water. That excess water increases the pressure in those pipes all the way through. Exercise also helps keep the heart healthy and reduces blood pressure to normal levels. Making sure that you're not eating a lot of fatty fried foods because that increases the level of cholesterol in the body. The cholesterol form the plaques that make the arteries a tad bit more narrow, which also increases stress on the organs and can challenge your blood pressure. But let's say that you're trying to get back in shape or take care of things after you've already had that diagnosis. Is it too late? It's not too late at all. As we get older at age 55, we actually recommend that gentlemen start a baby aspirin every day. And what we do that for is the aspirin binds to some of the connectors on the platelets, which are our clotting part of our blood cells. And by doing that, it makes everything a little slippery and it makes it harder for the body to form a clot, which therefore helps reduce your risk of stroke. Because oftentimes it's a clot that floats up to the brain and actually blocks the blood flow to part of the brain causing an injury of lack of blood flow. And before men rush to the drugstore and buy their baby aspirin, you would really want them to be talking with their doctor first about that, I presume? Absolutely. You know, any medication you take, any decision that we make in terms of altering, you know, what goes into the body, there's always a consequence with it. And that also includes any vitamins or herbal supplements I always recommend I want my patients to come talk with me so that we can review the pros and the cons. There's always some danger, especially for aspirin, for example. If you have a history of uh, a gastric ulcer, an ulcer in the stomach, or any kind of bleeding in your GI tract, which is anywhere from the mouth all the way down to the rectum, we probably need to talk about whether that's safe for you to do or not. So when they come to that physical, bringing a list of everything that they're taking, even if it's not a medicine in their mind... The supplements, the vitamins, all of that counts. 
absolutely. I want to know all of it. And also, if it's easier, just take the bottles, throw it in a bag, and we'll do the work. Colon cancer is the third leading cancer killer for men and women in the U.S. 50,000 deaths from this disease projected for this year alone. But the good news is that rate is dropping. So how do you counsel the men in your practice about colon cancer? Colon cancer has a mix between prevention, making sure that you're not doing the bad things that run you at risk, and then prevention in terms of catching it early if it's already going on in the body. This is a very near and dear subject to me because I lost both my grandfather and my aunt to metastatic colon cancer. They both were heavy drinkers, heavy smokers, and refused their colonoscopies. And unfortunately, their deaths could have all been avoided. So I share my personal story to convey what really can happen if you don't take care of yourself. Smoking is a very high risk factor for developing colon cancer. We've also find that eating a lot of fatty, unhealthy foods also makes you at higher risk for colon cancer. Leads to higher levels of inflammation in the bowel. And the more inflammation there is, the more often cells can do some bad things that they're not supposed to do and form polyps or masses in the colon. As we age, our risk factors increase for developing colon cancer. But the neat thing about colon cancer versus some of the others is that they tend to be very slow growing. So if you actually take the initiative to go get checked early, oftentimes the masses or polyps can be removed and it never turns into anything bad. Let's talk beyond physical for a moment. What mental health challenges do you see men facing young or old? Well, in this day and age, we are starting to break down the stigma for mental health. I remind a lot of my patients, they feel cornered or worried about going to get help because they don't want to be viewed as, quote, crazy or broken. And oftentimes it's reassuring that, one, anything we talk about in our visit is private, and two, it's just not the case. One in three people in this country potentially have some form of anxiety, depression, or obsessive-compulsive disorder. And they all run along the same track within the brain. And a lot of the chemicals, the neurotransmitters we talk about, serotonin, norepinephrine, and dopamine, oftentimes there is a deficiency in how much we're making or how much is sending the signal to the nerves in the brain. And that turns into the manifestation of a lot of the mental health issues we see. So part of my physical screening as well that I don't tell my patients about because I don't want them to know until after, I guess, rather we ask the questions, is I'm actually screening for signs of depression. Some men, of course, are okay with talking about their feelings, but others are a little bit shy about it. We try to ask questions that make it seem like it's non-judgmental because it's really not. And then once we can broach the subject, then we can dive into it a little deeper. One of the things that's really important to talk about depression is the typical versus atypical symptoms. Most people, when you ask, what do you think about when you think about someone who's depressed, you think that they're usually sad, crying, lonely, uh, low energy. But oftentimes you can have atypical depression, which is what I see a lot more in men typically. That's the easily agitated, easily angered, poor sleep. And they just don't feel well, but they think that it's just maybe some anger stuff rather than actually being depressed. But that's usually a sign of depression. 
and this is treatable. It's very treatable. There are many modalities or ways that we can treat it. You can treat it with talk therapy. You can treat it with medications. You can do a combination of sorts. For people who prefer some of the herbal treatments or the Eastern medicine, such as acupuncture, there are also treatment recommendations in all of those fields too. So depending on how someone wants to move forward with treatment, we certainly can advise in different ways. You talked earlier about the importance of healthy habits starting early. When you think about the young men in your practice and the risks of growing up healthy, what do you want them to start or stop or never get into? It goes back to some of the basics that I mentioned earlier. When mom tells you to eat your you know, vegetables on the plate, eat your vegetables. Getting in a good habit of learning to appreciate fruits and vegetables, learning how to prepare them so that you actually like them. There are many, many ways to prepare food. So when someone says, well, I don't like vegetables, then we actually have to go in a little bit about how did you learn to cook them and how do you eat them? I don't ever really want anyone to smoke. There's no benefit to it. The habits are very addicted and hard to manage. I have a lot of patients who tell me they wish they never started because 20 years down the road, it's a very, very hard journey for them to quit. Still possible, but very hard. I want people to think about staying active and physically fit. Doesn't mean you have to go to the gym for an hour and a half every day. But finding something that you like to do that actually forces your heart rate to go up, increase your sweating and your breathing. And I presume you would want them to be seeing their doctor regularly for screenings for potential issues that could arise. I want to see my patients at least once a year, even if everything is okay. And the nice thing about that is, based on our laws in this country, we have at least one free visit with patients a year. So anyone, especially who's 18 and above, that means that when they come and see us, they get the physical is covered by insurance. So if you have insurance, we really want you to come in, whether you think that you have a problem or not, because we do our work to check to make sure Just kind of like you take your car to the shop every so often. Sometimes you need it, the oil change, but you also need all of the other fluids and electrical things working appropriately. Get the belts tightened. Exactly. For the wives and the mothers and the girlfriends who are listening, how can we encourage the men that we love in a productive way to take better care of themselves, especially they're that I'm fine, leave me alone type? Well, again, remind them that when they go to the doctor, they are in the driver's seat. Their health is controlled by them. We are hired consultants. We do our job and make our recommendations, but they are in control of what we do or what we don't do. When we find things that we're concerned about, we certainly share what the penalties are down the road. For example, when I talk to my patients about their high blood pressure and what that could look like in 10, 20 years with heart failure, the high risk for, you know, heart attack and stroke. But the other thing is that if they have something that is bothering them, it's okay to just ask questions and go get checked out. And they're always welcome to bring someone along or be by themselves if they want to be very private about it. We have been talking with Dr. Aaron Block, family care physician with Franklin Family Practice. Thank you so much for taking time to be with us today. Oh, thank you for having me. I like doing this stuff. It's important for people to know these things. And joining me now is urologist Dr. Douglas Gaker of Premier Urology Center. Welcome. Thank you, Leslie. Glad to be here. 
Dr. Gaker, men are notoriously tough guys about their health. Do they double down when the issue involves their reproductive or urinary system so you see problems later than you'd like? It can be, and they're affected as well by the press that sometimes discourages men from getting health care. How so? Well, they make so many topics about men's health controversial that it gives men an out to say, well, this one person said that we don't need to do this testing anymore. So what are the signs that should send a man straight to the urologist's office? Well, it depends on age. There's warning signs that affect people of different ages, and they need to be in touch with what those are. Well, let's start with then, say, teenagers. Teenagers are affected by a situation called testicular torsion, and that's when the testicle twists on its blood supply and it's a surgical emergency. And that is noted when there's a sudden severe onset of pain in the scrotum. So when teenagers have sudden severe pain, they need to tell their parents right away and get to the emergency room so that the problem can be reversed. Other things that can affect teenagers are tumors of the testicles, and that is noted by usually painless swelling on one of the testicles, and that needs to be addressed urgently as well. If we can come back to the torsion question, is that related to sports activity? How does that happen? It's most likely a developmental issue, and it can happen in your sleep. It can happen after sports. There's no specific precursor for it. Any other issues for teenagers, or shall we move on to young adults? Well, teenagers can get problems with urinary tract infections, which is an emergency, but it needs to be addressed sooner than later, and that doesn't require a urologist typically. The um, other thing that teenagers can get now and we're seeing more often is kidney stones in which they get severe pain in a flank on one side or the other, and that requires urgent intervention of a urologist most of the time. You said you're seeing it more often. Why do you think that is? Probably because of dietary changes and because of the increasing incidence of obesity. Both of those can affect the incidence of kidney stones. Are there particular things that a young person would be eating or drinking that leads to kidney stones? Acidic foods can promote the formation of kidney stones and large meals. You know, when we go to a restaurant, they usually serve enough food for two or three people, and with large meals, that can promote kidney stone formation. So how do you treat that? You have to customize it. It depends on the size and the location of the stone and whether or not there's infection associated with it. So it can be a medical emergency or it can be something that you can wait several weeks to see if it'll pass on its own. Say again, what does it feel like? How would a young man know? A kidney stone can cause pain anywhere from the flank up on the back side of your ribs all the way down to a testicle and anywhere in between. But usually it's severe, like 10 out of 10 pain. So if somebody would get such severe pain, in that area, and again, like we talked about in the testicle, they need to seek emergent help. That You're talking emergency room. Right. Let's move on to young adults. So we talked teens, but now we're into the 20s, 30s. Mm-hmm. What specific issues might they be watching for? Again, kidney stones are probably one of the more prominent reasons to see a urologist in that age group. Men in that age group in their 30s often seek the help of a urologist to have a vasectomy. And so that's done mostly by urologists these days. Then there's other conditions that can come up which are less often a problem for men. So we've touched on teens and and young adults. 
Are the issues different for men as they approach middle age? They are. As men approach middle age, they need to be more focused on prevention and identification of disease. And so as men get to be in their 50s, mid-40s and on, they need to start being concerned about identification of early disease. What kind of disease are we talking about and how do we identify it? The diseases that affect men other than kidney stones, which are pretty common, at least where we live, the development of prostate cancer and the possibility of bladder cancer and kidney cancer become real issues for men in that age group. What signs should they be looking for? Most of the time, we like to find this without signs because if they have signs, it's usually more serious. So at that age group, we encourage people to say, take a little bit of time and start looking for possible problems. And some of the signs that are relevant in that age group would be blood in the urine. And you could see that with kidney cancer or bladder cancer. And if you see pink or red urine, that's a reason to see a urologist quickly. Kidney stones can do the same thing. So it's not always a dire sign. We also encourage people from before that age and certainly at that age to have healthy lifestyle habits in terms of smoking and a proper diet and proper activity level and proper weight management. So those are relevant issues in the urologist's office. Are there screenings that men of this age should be doing? Screening isn't such a good word in urology. It's more or less early identification. And then we have different tools that we can use to identify problems in their earliest stages so we can make a difference in the outcome. So if a man hasn't seen any signs, he's going to conclude, I don't have any problems, but it sounds like there could be a problem without any signs. So is there regular checkups that would be keeping an eye on these issues? Most of the regular type checkups can be managed through their family physician. But the point that's well taken is is that the behaviors that you accept in one decade are going to make major differences for your ability to live healthy in the next decade. So in starting in the 40s, we really try to encourage people to set themselves up for success in their 50s, in their 50s, in their 60s, and beyond. And what do they do in their 40s to set themselves up for success? Having a prostate exam is really important. Identifying risk factors for urologic cancers, like smoking in particular, is really important. And then customizing any blood tests that are necessary for a person's risk. In the mid-40s, a baseline PSA test, which is inexpensive, along with a prostate digital rectal exam, can identify people at risk for developing prostate cancer or the early detection of prostate cancer. And then a simple urinalysis can identify people that may be currently having problems from bladder cancer or kidney cancer, and that can lead to further studies that can identify early disease, which can be cured rather than chased. And that's going to happen in a primary care doctor's office? Sure can. Okay. So very important for men in their 40s to start to pay attention and get the right kind of checkup. That's right. Right. And then that sets you up for middle-age health. So you're not chasing disease. But we haven't yet talked about seniors. What about our senior population? And tell me how you define that age group. It's not defined by an age. Okay. In my office, people say, well, what's it like seeing another old man? I'm like, well, you have to be over 90 at my office before you say you're old. And then we'll discuss it, how well you're doing then. So in terms of seniors, it's really anybody that is at risk for conditions that affect older people. 
And one of the conditions that is very typical in men is progressive bladder dysfunction, largely due to the enlarging prostate. Your prostate starts to grow after about age 25, and it doubles every 25 years. And so as the prostate gets bigger, it squeezes on the urethra, which is the channel that the urine goes through, and then it makes it harder on your bladder, almost like an aortic valve. If it gets bad, it makes it hard on your heart. And so men typically have progressive difficulty passing their urine with each decade. So how can you help them? You know, that's a great question because it used to be that about 50% of men would simply have to have prostate surgery before they died. And often it was a double insult, like somebody would come in with a hip fracture and then find out they can't go to the bathroom. And then 10 days later, they'd have to have a prostate surgery, which was complicated and much more difficult for recovery. And today, we can identify people that have earlier onset voiding problems to say, wait a minute, you're getting to be at risk for getting to a situation where you have total bladder failure, and we have medicines now that can ward that off. And so there's been a big shift in terms of prevention in urology rather than just waiting until there's an emergency and having to do surgery on a person that's less than well. So the advice to a man is don't just put up with it, get help. Right. It's just been such an exciting last 25 years in urology because we went from having to react and having life-threatening situations to being able to prevent. And people can live much healthier, happier, fulfilling life, mainly because they're not impaired by these urologic problems. From your perspective as a urologist, what one piece of guidance would you like men to remember about their health? And do you have any advice for the ladies who love them? It's funny, in my practice, I talk to the wives about their men's problems more than the men when it's on the telephone. And men just don't like to talk about their problems. And rightfully so, because the history of it is, is that you get in a dire situation, then you have to have some emergency surgery, and it may not go so well for men. But today's world's different. In today's world, your urologist is your friend and can do an awful lot of things to make your life better and also avoid emergency situations when you're not at your best. Well, thank you, Dr. Gaker, for that and for such helpful insights into men's health. We hope that the guys listening will feel better prepared to know when it's time to see their doctor and more motivated to act on it. And ladies, you know what to watch for. We thank our guests today, and if you want to know more, visit premierhealth.com slash health now. We'll be back. We hope you will. I'm Leslie Lane. Thanks for joining us, and watch for our next edition of Premier Health Now on air.